The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This is Goodnight Maryland Radio with your host, Nina Bosky. It's been more than 50 years since the tragic death of one of Hollywood's biggest stars at the time and in history, Marilyn Monroe. Nina seeks to uncover the life and death of this legendary star as it coincides with the pre-production of the feature film, Goodnight Marilyn. You'll get a chance to question, explore, and discover the secrets surrounding what really happened that fateful night back in 1962. Let's start the conversation. Here is the host of Goodnight Marilyn Radio, Nina Bosky. Hi, everyone. I'm Nina Bosky for Goodnight Maryland Radio, and welcome to the show as we explore the investigation, the life, and the movie all surrounding Marilyn Monroe. Well, this week, uh, we have a shout-out to our friends in Australia. Brenda and Steve gave us a shout-out, uh, Avalon Beach. Uh, how are you guys? And Marco, I hope I'm saying this right, Nirja? Nirja? Is that right, Drew? Is that where it was? I think so. Um, Spain and Sean and uh, his lovely wife in Vancouver, Canada. So we have an exciting show as today we're we're definitely digging a little deeper here. And this is kind of at the 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 forefront of what we're doing here as we start to break down what really happened to Marilyn that night. Is suicide really suicide? We've got uh, some lovely experts on the show today to really explore this. They have had uh, many, many years of experience. And part of the reason why I also want to talk about um, this today is that, as you know, if you've been listening to the show, we have a petition out there. And uh, we, the filmmakers, firmly believe that Marilyn did not commit suicide, meaning that she didn't actively set out to take her life uh, that day. She might have wanted the pain to go away, but we don't feel like she actually actively took her life. Now, with that said, if you feel inspired, we would love your support. Go ahead and go to goodnightmarilyn.com. Go to the petition tab. It's real easy to get there. Also, Drew, if we could, um, let's post it on Facebook uh, on our Goodnight Marilyn page so people can go directly to the petition Sign it yourself if you haven't already. And I'm asking people to get five of their friends. So if you could imagine, there's thousands of Maryland fans and and people that are interested in this case. If you could get five of your friends to sign it, we'll have thousands in just a matter of, of weeks. So just want to really um, ask you if you feel inspired to go ahead and sign the petition. It's not about whether she was murdered or not, because there's enough evidence out there, and maybe we'll find some today, right? that can really um, really speak to the fact that she may not have taken her life. There's a lot of evidence that says that she could have. 
Well, there's also a lot of evidence out there that says it's either undetermined or accidental. So if we could even just achieve that, there's a big picture in here that, that we might be exploring too, right? I know there's a lot of you that do think that she was murdered and there's foul play. That's not what this petition is for. It's just mainly to see if we can overturn that verdict itself. The other parts, we'll see. We'll explore those. But today we're exploring, is suicide really suicide? I'd like to thank Randall Libero, our executive producer here for the show. Mike uh, Surgit, who's our engineer. And Drew Masters, couldn't do this show without you, of course, is uh, our lovely, uh, wonderful talent booker. So coming up in just a few minutes, I have Mary Jane Gray, a fan of Marilyn Monroe for over 20 years, has been on the, been a staff writer for ImmortalMarilyn.com since 2011. She's also assisted authors and journalists with research about Marilyn, and in 2010, she created a page where she helps collectors authenticate, appraise, and sell Marilyn Monroe memorabilia. Now, that's quite a job. So, And then uh, coming up in just a few minutes, too, is Gary Vitaco Robles, who is a licensed mental health counselor and national surf- certified counselor specializing in trauma-informed care. And during the last two decades, whose background includes working with adults and children diagnosed with serious psychiatric disorders, Gary is also the author of Cursum, Perficio, Marilyn Monroe's Brentwood Hacienda, the story of her final months, and what critics are touting as a definitive biography of Marilyn, the two-volume, get this, 800-page icon, the life, the times, and films of Marilyn Monroe. And then in the second half hour, we're going to introduce uh, another gentleman. His name is Dr. Scott Bond, who is a criminologist, media expert, and professor at Drew University. He's currently writing a book about suicide. He's also the author of the critically acclaimed book, why We Love Serial Killers, The Curious Appeal of the World's Most Savage Murderers. Well, wow, that's, a, that's definitely a, a, that's a whole other show. Uh, so anyway, just as a reminder, we'd love for you guys to join our community. Go to goodnightmarilyn.com, and you can join and get immediate updates and uh, find out all about the movie, the investigation, which is now just starting to heat up. So as you know, my job during this show is to find out and explore the truth. So if during this radio series and the ultimate investigation, we find out that it's not, you know, it was suicide, so be it. But I know for the purposes of this show in particular, and I'm going to ask you, the audience, to do this with me, is we need to be open-minded and not allow our feelings to cloud the evidence that may come forward and the probable theories that might shed light on this on suicide, especially for our conversation today. Uh, it's a it's a sensitive subject. You know, we're 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 discussing this as if it you know if it where we were talking about these fictional characters. These are real life. This is a real life person, and this is a real life topic, and it's a serious topic. And I want to put out there for you that if you are either suicidal or you know someone that may be suicidal, I'm gonna. I'll give the number out at the end of the show as well. But it's one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five is the uh, national suicide hotline. And that's here in the United States, but you can also get some more information for people that are listening globally, suicidepreventionlifeline.org. That's suicidepreventionlifeline.org, and I'm sure Gary can talk about that a little bit uh, later. So anyway, well, 
let's get on with today's show. Uh, my first guest, uh, as you know, uh, we're going to get some insights into uh, her background and information, but uh, Mary Jane, uh, as you know, is uh, has been studying Maryland for years. I'm so glad to have her with us today. Mary Jane, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me again. All right. So, you know, I, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on today's show is because you are the ultimate researcher. <laughs> <laughs> I do like to dig up facts and info, yes. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. And uh, I think it's very interesting. I'm just going to take this from the LA Times, August 6, 1962. It was the day after Marilyn's uh, death. And uh, I know you've got a lot of information here, but it, uh, it, it's interesting. The blonde 36-year-old actress was nude lying face down on her bed and clutching a telephone receiver in her hand when a psychiatrist broke into her room at 3.30 a.m. I'm going to stop right there. What part of that is true and not true? Uh, okay, well, she was lying face down at the time, yeah. um, but we, we do have evidence that her body had been moved at some point previously. Uh, the phone thing, I don't know if it's true or not. I've heard her publicist uh, a quote from him saying he just kind of threw it in there to put a spin on it. Mm-hmm. Um, the photos of her bedroom, uh, the, the police photos of her bedroom don't show a phone anywhere around her bed. I don't know if the phone part is true or if it was just kind of added for dramatic flair. Now, it's- the reason why I also ask you about the nude part, and we're going to talk about this later in the hour, um, it's under my uh, understanding that w- if somebody were to actively take their life, especially a female, uh, mm-hmm. and we'll ask both Gary and Scott this, especially Scott, and statistically, is that women do not um, usually uh, find themselves in the nude. And Marilyn was not one that actually went to bed in the m- nude. Was that true? From what I've learned, uh, her friends and, and colleagues had said that she had a very set routine for going to bed. She would um, put a bra on and always sleep in a bra because she believed it would keep her breasts firm. <laughs> um, she had terrible insomnia, so she would always wear a sleep mask to keep the light out. And in, she had two telephones in her house, and before she would go to bed, she would put them in, another, in a spare room in her house and put pillows on top of them so the ringing wouldn't disturb her sleep. And none of that happened the night that she died. Well, it also says that, according to this article, at 5.15 p.m. Saturday, she called her psychiatrist. Dr. Ralph Greenson was, was, uh, had told her to go for a ride when she complained she could not sleep police reported, right? Yeah. Um, and then the coroner, just to fast forward, said that after the autopsy that, you know, obviously there was an overdose of some gr- drugs they didn't know at that time, and that a suicide team would be asked to investigate Miss Monroe's last days to ter- determine um, if she took her own life. Uh, you have an interesting document, and let's talk about this uh, suicide team. What was that okay. about, exactly? Um, okay. Uh, after the autopsy, and I'm not sure if it was before or after the toxicology screening came back, um, Theodore Curfee, who was the head coroner, announced that they were going to have a suicide investigation team, and they were going to do what they called a psychological autopsy, which is essentially forensic psychology. They were going to have psychiatrists um, talk to people she knew and, and get an idea of what her state of mind and her routine had been leading up to her death. What makes this unusual is that it has not been done 
before or since. The Suicide <laughs> Prevention Center was formed in 1958, and this was the first time this had been done. The other thing that I find very odd about this is that the way it was handled, it put the coroner's office as the main investigative team, not the police, and Curfee made it unofficial, so nothing had to be disclosed. Nothing was made a matter of public record. Now, if it had been an official coroner's office investigation, all the results would have been public record. All the interviews, now, all the information they came up with. Now, I want to just one thing I want to add here, and I'll have to confirm this with Skip, who was the ex LAPD detective, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll have to confirm this, is this a fact? Back in 1962, the coroner and the, LA, uh, the LAPD were, con- they weren't separate offices at that time. That I'm not certain about. Yeah, yeah, I, so keep going, but I, I'll, I'll confirm that. Okay, I do know that they were doing their investigations on her separately, though. Yes, And they that's just kind of compiled the results at the end. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So keep, uh, keep, keep the flow going. Go, sure. go, go right just, ahead. You're uh, good. Like I said, I think it's, it's very strange that, the, um, that it, was, it was put under the umbrella of the suicide prevention team, and then none of it would have been made public. Yes, exactly. Also, um, let's go into Dr. Littman and that uh, wonderful uh, letter, because I think that's very telling and very interesting, and I want to make yes. a point about that. Um, okay, so you know the- I... I have a, a document um, that has, it's on the letterhead of the Suicide Prevention Center, and it's written by Dr. Littman. It's dated August 20th, 1962, and it's addressed to Dr. Greenson. And it says, enclosed is a copy of the official report on the case of Marilyn Monroe. It is a relief for all of us to have this investigation concluded. Thank you for your cooperation. I wish to reiterate my feeling that you have been most unfairly treated by the press. The facts certainly were not reported correctly in the journals. In my opinion, of course, you did everything that could possibly be done professionally for Ms. Monroe, and there was no negligence. All right. We have to take a break, but my point that I wanted to make on this, and this is an important one, just fast forward. If you think about Michael Jackson and his doctor, it mm-hmm. would be almost like somebody coming back, you know, two weeks later that's investigating him and writing a letter like that. I mean, yes. that just seems back in the day, that's a lot of enmeshment. So on that note, we got to take a break. Okay. I am so excited to be talking about this. You're listening to Goodnight Maryland Radio. I'm Nina Bosky. Is suicide really suicide? Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Mad Genius Radio presents Marilyn. For those of us who can't get enough of Marilyn Monroe, especially her iconic musical performances, Mad Genius Radio has expertly curated a genre of hundreds of tracks performed by Marilyn and friends. It is the quintessential collection of music for a journey of glamour, grace, and allure. Listen for free only on Mad Genius Radio. Available in the App Store, Google Play, and desktop at madgeniusradio.com. There are over 140 million products manufactured worldwide. It is impossible to know the ingredients in these products, especially those made overseas. Stan Salat 
creator of the HSF Mark and the Counterfeit Mark Alliance, is the host of People to People, working together for your safety. Stan believes in our right to know the type and amount of hazardous materials in consumer products and whether they are counterfeit. Find out how you can protect yourself every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. listening to Goodnight Marilyn Radio. Help us explore the mystery that is and was Marilyn Monroe. Call into our program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to MarilynLiveTalk at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Hi, I'm Greg Schreiner for Marilyn Remembered. Did you know that Marilyn lived in dozens and dozens of different residences in her lifetime, but her very first as a baby was near Hauser and Wilshire? Why do I care about that? Because guess what? My home is near Hauser and Wilshire. For Good Night Marilyn Radio and Marilyn Remembered, I'm Greg Schreiner. Hi, everybody. I'm Nina Bosky, and you are listening to Goodnight Maryland Radio as we explore, is suicide really suicide? And uh, later in the series, we'll get into uh, the locations of where Maryland lived. Obviously, we're talking about her last location, her house in Brentwood. And my guests are Mary Jane uh, Gray and also Gary Vitaco Robles. And uh, we're going to have uh, Gary uh, join the conversation. So hi, Gary. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me back. It's a pleasure to be here, Nina. Um, but before we get into finishing our discussion every week, we get into a misquote. And uh, Mary Jane, you're very passionate about this. So what is our misquote for the week? Okay. Today's misquote is, I believe that everything happens for a reason. People change so that you can learn to let go. Things go wrong so that you appreciate them when they're right. You believe lies so you eventually learn to trust no one but yourself. And sometimes good things fall apart so better things can fall together. Now, this I love been, that quote. <laughs> it's been very popular as a Maryland quote, but it's not. Although it does, it, it did give us a little bit of trouble for a while because it does kind of sound like something she would say, but it's not to be found anywhere during her lifetime. There's, it's not in any interviews. It's not sourced. It's not documented. However, we did find where it comes from. Leslie, who was on the show last week, was uh, binge-watching old episodes of How I Met Your Mother on Netflix. And on season six, episode 17, they say, sometimes things need to fall apart to make way for better things. They said it again in episode 23. So that's where the quote comes from. Interesting, interesting. Well, thanks for that. And uh, as uh, we're trying to discern fact from fiction, let's get uh, let's continue our conversation. Uh, Gary, you know, in this article, it, it goes on to say that they believe that Marilyn was in a depressed mood. Um, it's learned that medical authorities, and I and I just this is just an interesting quote. Miss Monroe had been depressed in a depressed mood recently. Uh, that she was in need of a manicure pedicure, indicating a listlessness and a lack of interest in maintaining her usually glamorous appearance. 
Now, I don't know about you guys. I, I won't speak for you, Gary, but Mary Jane, I'm not sure about you. But if if I were to count all the women that didn't have an upkeep of a manicure pedicure at the time, <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily call them suicidal. So um, wh- where was uh, Marilyn's mood that day, Gary? Well, we, we know she came out of a serious depressive episode sometime in May and June when she was really struggling on the film, Something's Gotta Give. And um, her psychiatrist, Dr. Greenson, had gone to Europe to visit his brother, and she felt somewhat abandoned by him. And so um, she was then um, fired from the film, and she spent most of the summer um, restoring her professional reputation and becoming involved in a lot in a media blitz with interviews. So um, you can kind of see her resiliency. Uh, she was bouncing back most of that summer. Now, as far as um, neglecting one's personal hygiene, I think the public's perception of Marilyn as the movie star star on screen was often in great contrast to who she was at home, especially when she wasn't involved in a film. And certainly, when people um, become seriously depressed, they may neglect their personal hygiene. Those things might not become important to them. They might not shower for days. Um, however, we do know in Marilyn's particular case, on that day, she was gardening. And I think the best source for that is probably Lawrence Schiller, who is the photographer who came by in the morning um, uh, with some contact sheets, I think, for a spread that uh, Playboy wanted to do at the end of the year with Marilyn being on the front and back cover. And he found her pulling weeds in the garden. And at that point in time, that summer, um, she was renovating her garden. In fact, I think either the day or the day before she died, a delivery from Frank's nursery had had arrived. And there are actually photographs of all of the shrubs in their burlap sacks set in the um, courtyard between her main house and her guest house uh, garage extension. So, you know, the garden was uh, of the utmost importance to her. And uh, Eunice Murray, the... Um, uh, the housekeeper uh, confirms this. So Marilyn was gardening. Now, yeah. um, whether or not she you know, took a shower that evening before she went to bed, uh, probably not. Um, but it, it seems kind of superficial. And, um, you know, there's usually yeah, many other indicators um, aside from uh, nails. So- so let's get into, you know, the the potential of that night, right? And and we'll fast forward a little bit in terms of she's talking to Greenson. Um, it's out there in a very big dose that she was talking to uh, Joe DiMaggio's son. She seemed to be in a, in a better spirit. Um, what was really going on, um, you know, at the time right prior to her death? Mary Jane? Um, you mean that, that particular evening? Yeah, that evening. Well, she had, like you had mentioned, she had been talking to Joe DiMaggio Jr. Uh, He called at 7.15 p.m., and she remained very close with him, and he was calling her to tell her he had broken off his engagement, and Marilyn was very happy about that because she thought he was too young to be getting married, and she was in great spirits about that. Eunice Murray said she could hear her happy and, and laughing on the phone, with him, I, I believe they talked from 7.15 to about 7.30. Um, but then if we look at uh, the timeline of the evening, she was already starting to pass away less than half an hour later. So yes. that's, that's another thing that strikes me as a little strange. 
Well, and, 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 you know, we've there, supposedly there is a glass there, you know, you can see something that kind of looks like a glass, uh, line by her bed. Um, but here's the thing, and this is, uh, oh, wait a minute. I have to, uh, Joel from Miami just asked the question. He wants to know how is it that any, anybody could swallow all of those, um, all of those pills, um, Drew, yeah, you just gave me that note. Yeah, he says, I don't know how, given all those pills, she would have been able to commit suicide. Because if I'm not, and we we can talk about this with, with Scott when he comes on the air, but it's my understanding, if somebody's going to commit suicide, don't they just pop all those pills at once? I mean, could she have done that? I mean, it doesn't sound realistic. Well, the, the levels of drugs found in both her bloodstream and her liver indicate that she had been taking them... The earliest they could have entered her system was one and a half to three hours before she died, based on the concentration that was in the liver. So, and and Gary, if 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 she were to take, I mean, by nature, I mean, if somebody's going to want to commit suicide, aren't they wanting to do it all at once? They don't want to do a slow drip. Well, yeah, and in, and in most cases, you know, some suicides are methodically planned out. And, and some of them are very impulsive. And if indeed she were a suicide, you know, I, I would lean towards the fact that it would probably have been extremely impulsive. Um, and uh, as far as taking the enormous amount of pills, we're talking probably between 40 and 60 Nembatol and about 20 chloral hydrate. Um, there's been some reenactments. I mean, there was a Dr. Nicholas Causey who reenacted this for an Unsolved History show. And they pretty much showed someone just, you know, gulping down a handful of pills with, um, with the water. And, um, you know, Marilyn's stomach lining did show some hemorrhaging. So an oral ingestion of an overdose um, is somewhat supported, you know, by what, what was medically found. Um, so now, wait a minute, the, but let, let's back up the truck here, because this is a really important uh, point here. Just as much as that's out there, there's also a lot of rumors and theories, and you hear it in its conflicting theories on different shows, is that she didn't have any sludge in her actual stomach. And so some people say that because of the time element, that that uh, sludge would no longer be there, and it'll be interesting because we're we're definitely going to have to get a coroner or a pathologist on the on this show to really talk about what is reality versus what's just floating out there as miscommunication. And and that's what we really need. We really need the the medical validation of that because there there was a liquid contents found in the stomach, but it was not analyzed further. And so you know the question becomes the gelatin capsules, you know, do they quickly dissolve and move on? Are they absorbed quickly? Or, you know, how long does that, does that take? So that there, you know, we really need to have some kind of a definitive answer regarding that. Um, Dr. Noguchi actually did address that issue because it was brought up so much. Why wasn't there anything in the stomach? And he explained that because Marilyn was a habitual user, her body was used to taking barbiturates, and they would have processed through the stomach a lot faster than in someone who was not a regular user. And however, however, Mary Jane, let's look at this. And I really, this is going to be an important part. That many pills? It's honestly, I think it's all, 
I think it, focusing on the pills in the stomach is a yeah. little bit of a red herring okay. because it's it's all contingent on someone's particular metabolism, on yeah. how much they're used to taking. I think uh, a more important focus would be just the amounts in the bloodstream and the liver. Okay, so yes. So with that, with that, um, the, the qu- real question is, and this is what we're trying to discern here, you know, the fact from fiction, and we're going to definitely have to have a pathologist on here <laughs> to really talk about this. Absolutely. Because that, that, that will be discerning. Um, but so, so, so we'll put that on the table for a future show, because I think that really needs to be explored further, and none of us are pathologists. But in regards to impulsive su- suicide, so if we look at that, Gary, right, um, it still kind of goes to the point of, you know, would she have taken all those pills at once? Well, the, I think the, the medical evidence shows that um, it was taken in a short amount of time and not a gradual buildup throughout the day just because of the high concentration. Um, Dr. Greenson says that, that Marilyn seemed um, sedated when he arrived at her home. Um, and, and, and that alludes to that she had been taking dosages throughout the day. Again, you know, we, we don't know uh, how accurate that is. But I, I have, would have to agree with Mary Jane that, you know, probably we have to look at a window, you know, very short amount of time um, for the buildup to be so high in the bloodstream and the liver. Yeah, so we we have to take another break. We're going to introduce Dr. Scott Bond to the conversation as well, and we'll get a little bit into the statistics in regards to suicide. Uh, I'm Nina Bosky. You're listening to Goodnight Maryland Radio, and we're discussing very uh, dynamically, I'd say, is suicide really suicide? Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you experiencing a relationship or a relation slip? Without the carefully measured balance of spirit and ego, it might not be what you want it to be. On Relation Slips with Dr. Bobby Summer and Lori Lynn Mann, we'll explore relationships from two unique ends of the spectrum. In addition, we'll have amazing guests, both experts and celebrities, and we'll hear from you too. Relation Slips can be heard live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Genius Radio presents Marilyn. For those of us who can't get enough of Marilyn Monroe, especially her iconic musical performances, Mad Genius Radio has expertly curated a genre of hundreds of tracks performed by Marilyn and friends. It is the quintessential collection of music for a journey of glamour, grace, and allure. Listen for free only on Mad Genius Radio. Available in the App Store, Google Play, and desktop at madgeniusradio.com. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Goodnight Maryland Radio. 
Help us explore the mystery that is and was Marilyn Monroe. Call into our program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to MarilynLiveTalk at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Hi, my name is Nina Bosky, and I'm the lead producer on the feature film Good Night, Marilyn. Do you have what it takes to play the iconic Marilyn Monroe? Well, I have our director here with us, Drew Ann Rosenberg, and she's going to tell you exactly what she's looking for. Drew? Well, first of all, we're looking for somebody with great acting chops. And then we want a Marilyn who can bring that movie star sex symbol magnetism to screen. But there's another side of Marilyn that we want to find. We want to find the shy, sensitive, um, very personal and, and twinkly girl who everybody loved on a private level as well. So if you have those two sides to you, you might just be our Marilyn. So if you have what it takes or you know somebody that does, go to goodnightmarilyn.com and find out all the details. That's goodnightmarilyn.com, and hopefully we'll see you in the movies. I'm Nina Bosky, and as you just heard, we are starting as of March 16th. We are looking uh, for our Marilyn. Uh, Our tagline for the movie is, everybody has a dream, and uh, everybody in this movie, all the characters in this movie are fighting for their dream, and Marilyn is actually the ultimate dreamer, so now you have your shot at allowing your dream to come true. We actually may, what a wonderful, what a wonderful uh, uh, kind of uh, homage to Marilyn. Marilyn is having an unknown play her. So go to goodnightmarilyn.com. Look for the global search of Marilyn. Uh, It starts March 16th. Also, uh, before we um, move back into our our discussion, I have a wonderful quote from Lance uh, Armstrong. It's our life bite for the week. Remember, pain is temporary. It may last a minute, an hour, a day, or even years, but eventually it can subside and something better can replace it. However, if you quit, it will last forever. Sometimes you have to feel your way through the other side in order to come out the other end. There is no other way but through it. But other times it's important that you get the help and the tools for life and the difficulties that you may face, especially if it's depression, sadness, or mental disorders. If you find yourself in need of support, know that it's okay to ask and seek help. Reaching out can be the first step in bringing your darkness into the light. So on that note, let's bring on Dr. Scott Bond. Welcome to the show. Hi, Nina. It's great to be with you. Well, I want to get right into a statistic that's actually coming from this uh, wonderful L.A. Times article. Uh, Dr. Littman, Robert Littman, a psychiatrist serving on the suicide team that Mary Jane uh, mentioned earlier in the show, says that notes are left by less than 40% of the people who take their own lives. Is that true? I would say that that's a, a good um, estimate, um, even you know, by today's standards. Uh, many times people do not leave notes, and when you don't leave a note, it, it's an additional, uh, essentially, um, uh, 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 message in itself to society and your family 
that um, they don't matter and you don't matter, and 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 it's as if you were never there. So that not leaving a message can actually be a powerful message. Wow. Okay. So then, so let's uh, let's look at the fact that there was no note found. Okay. So we do know mm-hmm. that for a, a fact. Uh, I, I mentioned about women uh, committing suicide in the nude. Statistically, is that really um, something that happens a lot? Well. I am not an, an expert in the um, the evidence of, of this case, so um, if, if I make any misstatements here along that regard in terms of the evidence, I know you have a panel of experts there, so please correct yeah. me. But she, this was in her in her own home in her bedroom, correct? Yes, it's in her in so, her bedroom. So it's not it's it doesn't seem that inconceivable that she might be you know lying nude on on her own uh, bed um, if if this was out in public or you know in in a in a strange uh, place then it would seem unusual but i i wouldn't say in and of itself that is so unusual given the fact that it was it was her own home Got it, got it. So I, I'd like to introduce back uh, Mary Jane and Gary so we can kind of have a, uh, a full conversation on this. Um, Gary Scott introduced the the idea of impulsive suicide. Uh, right. w- with that said, um, given I know you don't know a lot about this case, but they certainly do, um, what are your feelings around impulsive su- suicide? Okay, uh, that's a great question. And, you know, it, I think it, it could be potentially an error here to say that it was either suicide or an accidental, accidental overdose. It may have been somewhere in between. People who um, I know quite a bit about uh, addiction, I know quite a bit about um, uh, emotionally disturbed individuals, deviant and, and criminals, and not necessarily is their intentionality. I mean, it's possible that this is a woman who was just not happy, who had been abusing these uh, these prescription drugs, and and it was somewhere in between. She didn't really want to die, and she was miserable at the same time. So it, it's not necessarily a, a, a black or white situation. Um, now, in in regards to uh, uh, specifically an impulsive suicide, yes. Uh, a person could make that decision, and even though it's impulsive, it could be absolutely um, uh, determined and have intentionality and um, even be premeditated to the extent that it only takes minutes to do it. And it's, uh, it's not unusual for a person to shut off their telephone, to um, uh, pull, a, pull the, the telephone cord out of the wall, for example, so they don't want to be interrupted, and then do it. Um, I, I, as, as you know, Nina, uh, I have someone very close to me uh, commit suicide just 16 months ago, my, my former girlfriend, and she did not leave a note, and uh, she actually hanged herself. And uh, the indications from, from the evidence is that this was very determined um, in that she shut off her, her telephone, her fax machine, her, 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 her cell phone. So she was determined well, to do it. But that well, doesn't mean that she ha- had an, an intention to do it more than minutes before she did. So now, here's the thing, though. intentionality without necessarily a lot of premeditation. 
Now, here's the thing, though, and I want to open this conversation up, is that she was talking to people right before she passed away. So she, it wasn't so much that she'd shut off from the world. She actually was mm-hmm. talking to the world. Um, Mary Jane, you had an impor- important point that you wanted to make in terms of the, the level of prescriptions. And this speaks to, you know, Scott talking about addiction, uh, which we're going to talk about next week. But let's talk about the, the doctors and how much she was actually being prescribed during that time. Yeah, I think uh, her doctors were just egregious in their mishandling of her. And mm-hmm. if this had happened today, they would have been brought up before a grand jury and lost their licenses. Mm-hmm. Um, I've compiled the prescriptions that she was uh, given the last two months of her life. And from June 7th to August 3rd, she was prescribed 772 barbiturates, sleeping pills, <laughs> and sedatives. Mm-hmm. From one doctor. Mm-hmm. Wow. He gave well, it her. Sounds, I mean, it sounds like she. I mean, she essentially was a drug addict, and it's it's similar to you know to Michael Jackson. I mean, I know earlier in the show you were talking about Michael Jackson. He had his own live-in drug dealer, you know, Conrad Murray, um, a, a medical doctor. So um, again, if this if this woman was was essentially um, addicted to these drugs. And and in a, a state of mind associated with that, it's it's really hard to tell how rational she was and how she was thinking that day. Now, well, one, one I the, think good. One, one one of the indicators. What is, isn't it true that she that she had dinner earlier that evening with her friend Pat Newcomb? I think that was the night before. I think the that would before. have been on on Friday. Oh, that was the night before. This was Saturday okay. night. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, so, so one of the things I also want to branch out to, and, uh, you know, Gary, you have a lot, and Scott, I'd like you to chime in after he, there's a lot of information about Dr. Greenson. Talk a little bit about that, Gary, too, to, to bring uh, Scott up to speed, too. Well, you know, when, when I look at Marilyn, she, she has many symptoms consistent with the diagnosis of borderline personality disorder, and that's something we'll probably talk about more next week. But, you know, what, what's, significant about that that diagnosis is oftentimes folks who are in a lot of emotional pain, they cry for help by um, a suicide attempt to um, send out a message and and also to ask for a rescue. And when we look at the relationship with Dr. Greenson, he almost seemed um, over his head in dealing with her special constellation of symptoms and her celebrity. And I think the way he managed the case in um, his own professional boundaries kind of overstepped or crossed the line. And you have to look at best practices of the day, but um, he invited Marilyn into his own personal life and his family's life. And his rationale for this was to create a healthy support system for her and to make his family her support system. He made himself available to her multiple times a week in his home and in her home. She was actually peeling potatoes in his kitchen, and his adult son would go out for the evening and kiss Marilyn on the cheek while she's preparing the meal. Marilyn would have a session at the Greenson house and then come to dinner with the Greesons, and they would serve her her own bottle of champagne that was held in the kitchen. The doctor and his um, twin sister played instruments, and they had chamber music on Sundays in their parlor, and Marilyn was a frequent guest. So he creates this, almost like today what we would call like a partial hospitalization, wraparound services for her, <laughs> but he's not, he's not using professionals. He's using people that he appoints, such as 
you know, let's give her an attorney that, that we can trust. So it's his brother-in-law, Milton Rudin. And, you know, let's the housekeeper, let's encourage her to, to hire someone that we trust who is then the former owner of Greenson's house. So, you know, we've kind of um, really crossed boundaries. Yeah. And so it, with a woman with borderline personality disorder, if that's indeed what she had, and I don't know, you know, if she would fully meet all of the criteria, but certainly that would be very confusing for her. And then to ever kind of pull back, she's going to feel abandoned, which I think he, when he found himself over his head or had to attend to his other patients, um, then she would feel kind of abandoned. And that would, could well, be disastrous for someone kind of treated the way she well, was let's, by him. Exactly. And that let's we'll fast forward after the break and we'll talk more about uh, her mood and what may have contributed to those remaining uh, hours in Marilyn's life. We're going to take a break and we'll be back with our panel of guests. I'm Nina Bosky and you're listening to Goodnight Marilyn Radio. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Dance Talk Radio has come to Voice America. Join host Tracy Marciniak and her celebrity guests every week for a show that takes you inside the world of dance. What's it like working with stars like Katy Perry and Taylor Swift? The experts share their stories and the -the behind-the-scenes secrets. Plus, inside tips to become a better dancer, instructor, or studio owner. Dance on over to the Voice America Variety Channel every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific for Dance Talk Radio. Math Genius Radio presents Marilyn. For those of us who can't get enough of Marilyn Monroe, especially her iconic musical performances, Mad Genius Radio has expertly curated a genre of hundreds of tracks performed by Marilyn and friends. It is the quintessential collection of music for a journey of glamour, grace, and allure. Listen for free only on Mad Genius Radio. Available in the App Store, Google Play, and desktop at madgeniusradio.com. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Goodnight Maryland Radio. Help us explore the mystery that is and was Marilyn Monroe. Call into our program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to MarilynLiveTalk at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. We are exploring the topic of, is suicide really suicide? My panel of guests, Mary Jane Gray, Gary Vitaco Robles, and Dr. Scott Bond. A lively discussion. We could probably talk about this for, for shows and shows and shows. Uh, this article, new uh, not New York Times, but LA Times, also goes on to say that uh, 
Miss uh, Pat Newcomb uh, basically says that she believes it was accidental, that Marilyn was in physical condition and was feeling great. We had made plans for that day and we were going to the movies that afternoon. Okay. Now, if somebody's making plans, uh, I'm going to go back to you, Scott, real briefly. Are they thinking about committing suicide? I mean, if people have plans, I mean, your girlfriend, was she making plans? Were people, if it's intentional, it seems like it's suicide. If not, it seems more like it would be accidental. Yeah, yeah, no, I I agree with that. um, Before someone commits suicide, they, they typically isolate. And my, my girlfriend definitely uh, was withdrawing and, and isolating and cutting herself off. Um, she didn't even show, show up for work for a couple of days. Uh, and so, yeah, the fact that she, that she w- was together with this close friend and they had a lovely dinner, apparently, and were making plans for the next day, that sounds inconsistent with, with suicide. And the other thing, Mary Jane, I want you to jump in, you know, Milton Rudin, her attorney, was saying that she was in the middle of negotiating her contract and she was getting offers. This was not a woman that was being reclusive. She was, as Gary said earlier in the hour, she was bouncing back. She was doing a whole publicity tour that summer. Uh, you know, this was not a woman that was uh, was feeling like her career was going down the drain, correct? Yeah, Gary was absolutely right on that. I mean, she was doing interviews, she was doing photo shoots, she was letting the world know, like, hey, I got fired, but I'm, I'm still here, and, you know, she was taking charge of things. And I think what was triumphant for her that particular weekend was her Life magazine article, which was released on August 3rd, where this was her opportunity to speak back at some of the allegations made by Fox, and she was receiving lots of congratulatory phone calls that she came across so well and so articulately in explaining her position and I think she engendered uh, a lot of empathy uh, to the public where her professional reputation had been bashed by her home studio. So so then the question is, right, you know, uh, Scott made a, a very uh, interesting point about it, you know, suicide accidental, right? And we're not mm-hmm. looking at all the other variations that could have happened that night in terms of cover-up and all the other theories. We're just looking at this specifically. It could have been maybe something in the middle, or is it a straight line? Is suicide really suicide, and is accidental accidental? I mean, does does the professional community look at that as a, a you know a line in the sand, Scott? It's very muddy. You you bring up such a good point, Nina, because as you know, I'm I'm doing a lot of research in this area right now for a forthcoming book, and and sadly, um, uh, suicide is dramatically on the increase in the United States. There's now nearly three suicides for every murder, um, and it's it's very alarming. But yeah, the, the the numbers get really fuzzy when you look at suicide versus uh, say accidental overdoses, and the numbers overlap and they conflict. Think, think about a recent case like Heath Ledger. It was ruled to be an accidental overdose, but here's a guy similar to Marilyn who was taking all kinds of prescription drugs in excess. We know that Heath um, was estranged from the mother of his children. He had been going through depression. Who's to say that that wasn't a suicide, even though it was ruled to be an accidental overdose? And once again, when someone is abusing drugs, and, and, and it, it sounds like Marilyn you know, was, was way overprescribed here, what state of mind are you in? And it, it could have definitely been somewhere in between, you know, not, not re- purely suicide, not purely accidental, something in between. And exactly. so there's, there's shades of gray there. And, and she was desperate for sleep. You know, we, we hear reports that, you know, because of her childhood trauma, 
you know, sleep was um, very challenging for her, and she was desperate that summer to get a good night's rest. She hadn't slept in several days. She hadn't slept the night before. And so um, I think it was Joan Greenson, the psychiatrist's daughter, who said that was one of her major torments that summer, her desire to sleep. And so you can see where, you know, she would certainly reach for a higher dosage than what's prescribed in order to achieve that. Yeah, well, and it, you think know, about, think about Michael Jackson. It was exactly the same thing. Michael Jackson, his greatest fear was the inability to sleep, which is why Conrad Murray gave him propofol, which is a high-powered anesthesia, as a sleep aid. If there was ever but then, misconduct but, and, and neglect, I mean, that was it. But, but a then very we go situation. But then we go back to what Mary Jane said, right? You know, today, look at Michael Jackson's doctor. He was, you know, I mean, criminal charges in regards to his conduct. And look at Dr. Greenson and what, you know, back in the day that might have been much more uh, primitive, let's just say. But mm-hmm. the reality is he was really crossing the line. And, and a lot and of. And it was a Greenson. That's the other p- the question because Hyman Engelberg was her yes. internist who was consulting with Greenson. And I think it was Engelberg who, who was writing the prescriptions. Yes. And, all, all the prescriptions um, were Engelberg. How many did uh, that Mary Jane, you said that uh, he had written to her like a, a couple oh, of a, days in before? In a two-month period, he prescribed 772, and then he later denied it. He very famously, in a documentary, said, oh, I don't know where she got that chloral hydrate from. She must have gotten it illegally in Mexico. But it I saw a document. Now has surfaced. We have two different separate prescriptions where he prescribed her chloral hydrate. And I yes, think the and he gave also. her um, a prescription of 50 chlorohydrate on July 25th and then 50 more on July 31st and then tried to say, oh, I never prescribed that. Yes, and there's a document uh, stating that. Hey, guys, we are actually closing out this segment, but I want to ask each of you, uh, what are your thoughts, Mary Jane? Suicide, accidental, it might be something else, but just between those two. Uh, between suicide and accidental? Mm-hmm. Uh, I do the best I can say is I don't believe it was intentional suicide. Okay. Gary? Um, I'm really on the fence. I, I really think we need to have all, all of the evidence in, in place, and I don't think we have all of the evidence. I think God. key pieces are missing. All right. Scott? On, based upon what I know now, if we're, if we're uh, taking murder off the table, and it's between suicide and accidental, I'm leaning toward accidental. All right. So here we are. We have three experts from a variety of different uh, fields, undetermined right now and uh, leaning towards uh, not intentional or accidental. So there you have it. I, I want to take some time before we uh, close out this show to thank everybody because this has been an exciting, lively, to-be-continued discussion. Uh, Mary Jane Gray, thank you again. Uh, I'm sure we'll have you back uh, for being on the show today. Uh, thank you so much for having me again. Okay, Gary Vitaco Robles, a wealth of information as well. Thank you so much. Thank you, Nina. My pleasure. And also, I want to just share with everybody to go to immortalmaryland.com for more information about uh, the experts and also Gary's uh, wonderful books, uh, you know, that he has the 800 volume. Say the whole title again for me. I don't have it in front of me. Icon. Icon, the Lifetimes and Films of Marilyn Monroe, Volumes 1 and 2, a total of 1,800 pages, both volumes. Woo, there you go. And then, uh, Dr. Scott Bond, uh, where can they reach you as well and find out more about what you do in your upcoming book? Sure. Uh, 
Well, my website is docbond.com. That's D-O-C-B-O-N-N.com. And you can follow me um, at docbond on Twitter. And your your latest book about serial killers. What's the name of the yeah, book again? Public Fascination with Serial Killers. It's called Why We Love Serial Killers, The Curious Appeal of the World's Most Savage Murderers. And available on Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, uh, etc. online. All right. Well, thank you guys for being on the show today. And uh, we have another exciting show next week. I'm so excited. We'll have Gary back with us. We have Dr. Reef Kareem, a psychiatrist and addiction specialist, along with Robin Alexis. We might even have Lois Banner on with us, uh, bantering with, uh, with Gary in a lively discussion. Uh, making the bridge between suicide as well as uh, her mental and mental health and addiction. So I just want to say that. Also, St. Patrick's Day, we have the uh, Southern California Motion Picture Council, Sportsman Lodge, our wonderful Cassandra Carroll, who is a tribute artist to Marilyn, will be performing at 7 p.m. right here in Los Angeles. You uh, go to the Sportsman Lodge, uh, and it's the St. Patty's Day special, Southern California Motion Picture Council. Cassandra, check her out. And on that note, uh, I know you don't want to miss uh, next week's show. Until next time, I'm Nina Bosky for Good Night, Marilyn. And remember, never stop dreaming. Thank you for joining us for today's show. Good Night, Marilyn Radio with Nina Bosky can be heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Be sure to tune in again next week.